0: You're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report Second Air Podcast. Welcome to the
1: Padawan Perspective. Hey, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Irliman, and with me as always are our Padawans, Taylor. Hey. Gavin hey jaina and of course fellow jedi master baron and pharaoh his padawan
2: uh hello the force is with me and i am one with the force hello (laughs) young padawans
1: excellent excellent and also joining us is jacob hello everybody welcome glad to have you back buddy uh, so, as you may or may not know, this is our sixth episode of the Padawan's Perspective. This is our Rogue One coverage. We uh, have seen it, we've watched it, we've we've absorbed it multiple times. Well, maybe not all of us, but we have opinions, and we're here to give them to you. So, with that, I think uh, no further ado, let's do this. What do you say, Barrett?
2: Oh yeah, and I think one of the things about our show that really separates from the other shows, is we have our Padawan. You know, we, we want their perspective. So I'm really interested to see how they felt about Rogue One because I know how I felt about Rogue One and I know how my old, all my friends who are 40 years and older feel about Rogue One.
3: My opinion, I felt like it took a really long time to get to the, the point across. At the very beginning part, I felt like a on just for a really long time. Towards the, the end, uh, they finally got to the start and all that. But, like, I just, yeah, I just felt like it was dragged on a lot longer than it should. It, like, it probably should have been.
1: I know for Jaina, we went and saw it together and we didn't make it all the way through. We got to the Eridu scene. And for Jaina, why did we leave?
4: Because I was bored.
1: You were bored. <laughs> now, but she did say it wasn't a bad movie. She liked the movie. She just got bored. It, it didn't keep her attention. When Chirrut did the uh, bag over his head and he said the old, are you kidding me? I'm blind. And when it happened, she didn't do anything. Like, it, about four minutes passed. And then she started laughing. And then she's been saying it nonstop. Great. She does it really high-pitched. Are you kidding me? I'm <laughs> blind. She's nonstop. This was the first thing she said when she got home to her mom. Everybody.
3: Yeah, uh, she came in the doors and like dad was there and we're all like, where's Jaina? And she's all, she comes out running out. She's like, are you kidding me? I'm blind. And my mom and I just started laughing so hard. And like, she said it with the accent and everything. Like it was just too cute to pass up and everything.
2: There was a lot of lines. Got a lot of laughs. Usually it was from K2SO, but there was a lot of people that, that said a lot of, a lot of good lines in there.
5: Uh, they tried to add a lot of comedic value to this movie rather than like the other movies to, I guess, to get more of a following for, for the Star Wars movies.
2: Yeah, because I think in episode seven, it was more John Boyega's character that was kind of funny. You know, he was kind of bringing the, the comedy in. And we didn't have a droid in episode seven to kind of make jokes. You know, we had BB 8 and she did a. She. He did a lot of beeping and, and stuff like that. A lot of rolling and to get his little character out. But no joke telling, you know. That was kind of left up to, like I said, John Boyega's character. Here, we have K2SO, and he's just making all kinds of, of, of jokes. And he kind of reminds me of like C-3PO. C-3PO was like an assassin droid or something. What did you think about the, the story... Of Rogue One being the first anthology movie. Do they still call them anthology movies? The first spin-off or standalone Star Wars movie for it to be the Death Star Plans.
4: Uh, I actually thought that it filled in a lot of gaps that a new hope like just left out. Like, for example, the the Death Star, obviously, the most obvious one. The Death Star had a huge um hold that was like a gigantic flaw, and it was like how did they not know about this?
2: Jacob, you're 12 years old. You're a 12-year-old Padawan young man. Uh, that has been a joke for, I don't know, Mark, for a long time. Like, how could they not see this flaw, that one missile could take out the whole entire Death Star?
1: Yeah, I was fist bumping when that happened. I'm like, oh, thank God. I've been waiting for this moment. I mean, I still, to this point, I, I when I watch A New Hope and I watch Luke launch the torpedo, I'm still like, why are they going down the trench run when they can come at it from way up high and do it just a direct shot? Like they should tilt the angle of that. But but I'm finally happy that we've got at least that excuse.
2: And they turned the joke into a plausible, real reason why it's built there because the you know Jin Urso's father, Galen Urso, is forced to make this Death Star. So of course he wants to sabotage it in some way. So it makes perfect sense. So you're absolutely right, Jacob. It really does fill in that that hole there.
5: I completely uh, agree with Tay there because it was yeah, it was a very long startup and I, I really liked the last like 30 minutes to 40 minutes of the movie, but from like the start to you know the not 40 minutes at the end it was really <laughs> just like it was dragged on. It was it it felt kind of Force you know to make runtime but uh i i don't know it was it was boring to me uh just that that first half
2: when people were kind of talking about rogue one and taking their kids and a lot of it seems like a lot of their kids fell asleep and i think it had to do with two two factors one we all try to rush to the midnight madness one right we always tried to see it the night before on thursday and i think maybe you were a little bit tired it was a little bit late that had something to do with it as well as the excitement when you're pumped up and then the story really does have to tell you a background. You know, It really does have to build up. For an old guy like me, an old Jedi master of myself, seeing Ponda Baba, seeing things like that, that maybe you would recognize, I was still excited even though it wasn't any action or any fighting. And someone had said on Facebook, I think it was Justin, who explained it this way, He said it was almost like your grandfather telling you about the siege at Normandy, and he's telling you about it because he lived it, and so it's more exciting to him, and you're sitting there, and you kind of want to hear about it, you know, but maybe you're a little bored.
3: Well, for me, uh, like, I agree with Pharaoh and stuff, but, like, at school I said this once, and then everybody flipped out on me, so... I apologize in advance. Uh, the Force Awakens honestly was better, but I feel like Rogue One filled in a lot of what the Death Stars' plans and stuff were missing and stuff. My dad asked me the other day. He's all like, "So who do you like better, Rey or Jin?" And I was like, "Well, I can't get attached to Jin because like she, every everybody died in at the end and stuff. So it's kind of like." You can't get attached to someone who's dead and stuff. I mean, I got attached to her at first, but I will always love Ray. Like, Ray Ray was the opinion of a teenage girl at the time sometimes, like, when I think of her and stuff. Um, My favorites
6: were Cheerit, the blind guy, and the droid K-something, K2S0. They were my favorite.
1: See, I'm with you, Baron. I for me, this was like the first time I watched a film where I felt like I was catered to. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things that I've wanted. You know, I mean, learning about the flaw, having that be planned. Uh, you know, there were so many aspects of seeing Rebels characters show up. I wanted to have Chopper rolling through the base at some light, at point, or have Hera in a in a communication, and we see Chopper rolling through. We get Hera being called out as General Syndulla. Uh, we saw the ghost park three different times on Gavin. 4. We saw it in battle about seven or eight times. I mean, I was like doing flips over those little references oh alone.
3: God. We were in the theater and he's all, look out for this. Watch, watch. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there it is. Ooh, is that, is that Chopper? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I wonder when he's going to be there. I don't know, Dad. Shush, I want to watch the movie. Oh my God, there he was so we're all like, I'm all, dad. And so thankfully there wasn't very many people in the theater, but still I love him, but he's kind of embarrassing when it comes to this.
1: I was pretty shameless. And Gavin got to watch it with me the first time I saw it. We went and saw it on the opening night because even though I work at a theater and I thought they were hazing me, apparently you can only watch one person in the theater in the advanced showing. They would only let one person watch it in two D and one person watch it in three D. It was insane.
2: What what I don't understand. They would only let you buy one ticket per person
1: no no the the staff of the theater we typically get to watch a movie the night before and they let all of us in to watch it but for this movie Disney had a stipulation that only one employee per theater could watch it so one person out of all the staff got to watch it in 2D and one person got to watch it in 3D they watched it at the same time in two different theaters and I was out working I was vacuuming and stuff I'm like are you kidding me like I didn't get to watch it I just got to sit there and I was I was like Jane, I was really upset and in tears <laughs> That's exactly how I was. I was tore up about it.
3: I've talked about my other Star Wars friend named Zach. Well, there's like three of us. There's me, Zach, and Jamin. But we were all like talking about going uh, a day earlier before it opened and stuff because we did that last year. And so, well, Jamin ended up getting grounded for some unknown reason. And then... Uh, I had to stay the night at my grandparents' house. Zach only got to watch it by himself and stuff, and so he got to see it an uh, entire day before all of us, and then kept on bragging it to our faces. And he's like, "That was so good." Blah 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 blah. And I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "And then," and I was like, "Don't say a word." And he's all like, "But he's." I was all like, "Yeah, you're the. I'm the only one you can really talk to, but you are not allowed to t- talk to me." He's like, "Can I tell you one spoiler?" And I was like. And he's like, they leave off where uh, Princess Leia gets a CD. And I was like, really? 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 And like, I was like, it's not a CD. <laughs> and he's all like, I don't care. So, yeah, <laughs> that happened. You're anxious to figure out what they're talking about and stuff.
2: So, Taylor, you, you said that you liked Ray because it was very hard for you to get attached to Jin because of what happens at the end of the movie. What about the rest of the characters, guys? Did you really like Chirrut? I know that, that Gavin said his favorite guys were Chirrut and, and Baze. What did you think about the other characters?
3: Oh my gosh, I love Chirrut.
1: May the force of others be with you. May the force of others be with you. May the force of others be with you. And then of course, you know, he had that, let them pass in peace let them pass in peace. <laughs> like I love the way he drug out the lines, you know, like base Malbus used to be the most of our, the goodest of us all.
3: <laughs> so what I kept on saying for a week was I'm one with the force and the forces with me. Like when I got home from watching it, I kept on saying it and Kevin's all, what are you saying? And I said it once in a while. And then he's all like, Oh, I get it now. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm one with the force and the forces with me. And then I started saying it at school. And my uh, best friend Sam, she's all, what are you saying? I was all like, I'm one with the force and the force with me. And she's like, Oh, Star Wars suck. Okay, never mind. Because Sam does. <laughs> she honestly has never seen a Star Wars movie in her life, and I have no idea how I am friends with her without making her watch one. Well, we were at school, and I, uh, Zach, and I, we talked uh, Mr. Jeldricks into showing uh, three of the Star Wars movies, and so he did. And Sam's whole like, What? Was a lot better than I thought. And I was like, Yeah. And she's all like, What are you waiting for? I was like, What do you mean? And she's like, Are you expecting it I'm expecting a reaction? I was like, No, I was kinda expecting a little more from you considering it's like a fandom in my family here. (laughs) She's all like, Oh
1: Yeah, I I think for me, the more times I watch it, I'm up to seven now. And every time I get to that scene, it starts with Baze yelling, Cher and I start to quiver then I'm just like, Oh God, you know, here, here we go. This is, this is that moment, you know? And I mean, of course, at that point you pretty much know what's coming because of what happened with K2, but the emotional ending of that film was just, that was one of those things that I was hoping for. You know, I was hoping for an ending where it was going to be just totally dark, totally devoid of all hope and and a total suicide mission. And to a large degree, that's what we got. We had all those pickup shots that Gareth Edwards did that threw us off the scent with the trailers and stuff. So I was distracted enough with the distra- with the trailers that when I went into it, it was a unique enough experience that I came away thoroughly enjoying it. Even though some of the characters didn't have as much screen time as others or as some may have felt they needed, I felt that it played really well.
2: This movie does change A New Hope in a lot of ways, though. Not only does it fill in some plot holes, now we know that Princess Leia was at the Battle of Scarif, correct? In order in order to get the plans. We kind of understand now why Darth Vader was so pissed off when, in A New Hope, he asked... Princess Leia about the Death Star plans, and she says, "I'm on a diplomatic mission for Alderaan, for the Imperial." He's like, liar, side. liar, and he liar. just goes crazy. He's, "You're a liar. You're a rebel." You know, and it kind of explains that you know he saw her launch in Rogue One. He knows that she's a rebel, and she's sitting there lying to his face. You know, and it's things like that 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 makes Rogue One a better movie, and it makes it makes a, a New Hope a better movie. So is Ro- Rogue One, what I want to ask you, Padawans, is there's no Jedi in Rogue One, right? That was the big kind of, of thing about this spin off or this, this anthology movie is what they first called it. It was going to be about the regular characters in the Star Wars universe. There weren't going to be any Jedi. That
5: was the selling point. There are
1: no that, Jedi here, only dreamers
2: like this one. That was the selling point. So did it feel like a Star Wars movie? To
6: you? It did, but... um. The movie, I liked it. I liked the movie, but um, I didn't. I started to dislike it when it came to the end, because as soon as the droid died, I got really sad, and I'm like, at least the blind guy's still alive. And then he died, and I'm like, dang it, I'm done.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, there's arguments still over sure Chir- you know, him being Force-sensitive, him being a Jedi, you know, when Bay says there are no Jedi, just dreamers like him, I mean, is that implying that they were once part of the Jedi Order? I mean, that's nebulous. I mean, it's clear he has Force-sensitivity. Uh, it's clear he has some experience with the Force. I mean, when we watch him go against those stormtroopers and he's dodging the bullets and stuff and knocking each one Oh, sorry about your foot, hitting him and, and using the guy as a marionette, I mean, that's something that Kanan even struggled with doing, but Kanan was a trained Jedi. And he eventually overcame that So we see that, we also hear him talking about You know, I sense you keep a you know, a dark place with you uh, what is, What's the look of the guy He knew about the pilot He was able to pick up on things with his senses I mean, he talked about that We watch him do that little blow air into his hand Before he aims with his rifle And he shoots a TIE fighter out of the air Not only does he shoot a TIE fighter out of the air He manages to make it so the TIE fighter Lands into one of the turbo lasers I mean, there was just way too much about him that was forceful so i mean he clearly represented the jedi element that was missing him and the planet jedi itself with all the jedi relics and stuff there were so many cool aspects in that alone and uh, you know you, we were talking about the story and i i think about the fact that saw Gerera was integral to the story and yet had such a small role you know i i, I at first thought he wasn't needed. But the more I watched it, the more I I felt he was kind of a linchpin to a lot of things. And overall for the overall building of the new canon, he's a linchpin as well.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about saw since you bring him up, you know, saw was an original character that was introduced in the clone wars in the Onderon arc where saw and his sister are a band of freedom fighters on the planet Onderon who are resisting The separatist and saw's sister dies and he fights on did you notice anything missing about saw
1: are we talking his appearance in rebels or are we talking about him in rogue one
2: well his appearance in rogue one is so much different than when we last saw him in the clone wars i mean he has green eyes he has both of his legs he's not on a breathing machine when we see Sagarera here, he's a totally, almost a totally different character.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's seen a lot. I mean, well, we do see him in Rebels, and even then, it's set near Rogue One, and he still doesn't have the breathing apparatus. He hasn't been poisoned. Uh, he hasn't had the Genosian poison in his lungs. Uh, and I I couldn't tell if he had both legs even at that point, though we know from the visual guide he loses the right foot before he loses the left foot he was wearing some uh, killer crocs or birkenstocks there for a while
2: <laughs> now we are going to just just to let the listeners know out there we are going to review the two the two-part episode that features saw that's coming up you know stay tuned for that but yeah saw looks a little different he does still have the green eyes and the rebels in the two episodes that they just showed, he still does have his green eyes. So somewhere along the line, he loses his legs, uh, parts of his body, and his green eyes, and all of his hair. So...
1: And that could be part of the poisoning, maybe the eye color change.
2: I thought that Forrest Whitaker did a really, really good job. I know Forrest Whitaker from uh, Jason's Lyric, where he played mm-hmm. kind of like a, a drunk father with no legs, and he's like... You know, it's my leg, it's my leg. He's kind of this crazy guy, you know, and and he really was scary.
1: See, I'd never seen anything he did, and I never really quite understood the allure of Forrest Whitaker. I mean, I'd heard about The Last King of Scotland, I'd heard about a couple other movies he'd done, and everybody's like, Oh, you gotta you gotta see his stuff. Uh, and then I'm watching it, I'm I was blown away by the aspect that the way he delivered the lines. I mean there was a craziness to him, which, which his, the way he's portraying the rebels character isn't quite there yet, but I like the desperation. And when he gets to the, you know, his kind of his swan song moment, he's like, I'll run no further, man. That felt very much old native American story where he's like, I'll run no more forever uh, when he's done fighting and, and he's just, just lays down. And, and that I thought was a really interesting way for his character to kind of go out, um, the way he did that line where he's talking to Jin and he's like, he's like, it's a trap. And he's like, there's, there's just no way that, that I've got this message from Galen. There's this big weapon. And now you're here. Did they really send you to kill me? And the way he says that I was just, the more I watch it, the more he delivers that line, it moves me. And and I think on my seventh time, that's when I really started to pick up the musical cues from the soundtrack going with those moments. I mean, it's really building up on itself. Uh, Gavin, what about you? I mean, you and me, we watched Saw Gerrera in the clone wars and stuff before it actually happened. Did you like Saw Gerrera? You'd never seen the actor do anything before that. So when he came to screen, was he a character that you liked or was he somebody that you were like, ah, I don't really care for this guy.
6: I liked him in the clone wars, but in the star Wars rebels one, I did not like him, but um, in the movie I was like okay with him
5: well i thought the actor who played him was pretty good but the character uh itself i i mean he reminded me a lot of darth vader not really by the way he like he does things but it's just his breathe you know like the same it's not that obviously but it's like the same sort of thing and he kind of reminded me of just like a bad guy
2: he did remind me of a bad guy and the first time he does take A whiff off that breathing apparatus it sounds exactly like darth vader from what i remember
1: yeah no i like the fact that he didn't need it need it like it wasn't something he had to be breathing with all the time but like when the stress got too big or i almost wondered if it was a calming sedative like at that point he was so crazy like i was talking with ion cannon folks about this because we were talking about the latest episodes of rebels And the aspect of him going crazy, I almost wonder if it's not so much the poison, but him and the Bogadie or whatever he calls it, that alien creature that messes. And he's like, one tends to lose one's mind. And I almost wonder if he's had that used on him a few times and he's lost it through that. Real quick, I want to mention Gareth Edwards. Now, I haven't seen much of Gareth Edwards stuff that I'm aware of. Uh, which I will say will never be the case after this movie. He easily jumped to the top of the list of my favorite directors of all times. And one of the main reasons for that is the iconic shots that he did so often. I mean, you know, we didn't have the opening crawl, but the first scene we have, and we've got that moon or that planetoid, and then it starts panning and we see the rings, we see the shuttle. We see a later scene where we see the keyhole through the rock and we watch the Ewing land. There were so many key moments like that that he really worked the angles very well i've seen some people that that didn't enjoy this but for me man this was a really high hit movie i came away beaming i mean i was beaming more so than when i watched the force awakens i i never stopped smiling
2: for gareth edwards to go from godzilla to star wars and do such a good job with it you know my hat is off to him let's talk about darth vader They really tried to hide the fact that Darth Vader was going to be in this movie for as long as they could. I mean, there was little snippets here and there of maybe Darth Vader was going to make a cameo. It was going to lead right up to episode four. But what we got in Darth Vader, for me, was so far out of my expectation. And it surprised me in the scene that we got.
1: Oh, I was just, everybody talked about the scene. And I was always like, well, which scene? Because when they first showed him, that was pretty cool, like him floating in the tank. I was like, that was a great way to introduce him.
4: I feel like the movie definitely could have gone without him. I mean, it's like...
2: Whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa.
4: Hey. I, I'm not saying it should have gone without him, but I'm saying he made such a small appearance that he didn't really matter in the end. It would have been nice to see him as like a factor in the grand scheme of things.
2: Okay, let's, let's that is a bold statement there, Jacob. Where's your Jedi Master at? Let's break down how he showed up, right? Mark said that the first time we see him, we see him at his castle on Mustafar, right? This is a a EU thing. We've never, we've heard of Jedi's, ca- of, of Vader's castle in the EU, but we've never seen it. We finally get to see it.
3: Yeah. When uh, that scene came up, I, like, it took me a minute to figure out who it was, but, like, yeah, it like, like you said, Baron, it was just really creepy. It, just didn't look right. I mean, it's nothing like we're used to because they're on a whole different planet. It just makes you get really curious and stuff of what the water is and somewhat water.
2: But the way they showed Vader, they could not really show him because in The Empire Strikes Back, we kind of get a reveal of the back of his head. And in Return of the Jedi, of course, when they first take off his mask and we see his scarred face. So they couldn't really show us everything so they they mystified him you know i i was i've seen the movie five times and every time that this scene comes up i'm really trying to make out any detail and they did a really good job of obscuring the details so it is still a shock in empire strikes back to see the back of his head so it is still a shock to see his his mask come off for the first time in return of the jedi and i think he handled that very very well one thing i did not think they handled very well with vader is when Krennic has to go see Darth Vader and Darth Vader comes out and he's walking down the little ramp to see Krennic. Krennic gulps. Up to this point, Krennic is someone you do not want to mess with and he is definitely scared of Darth Vader. But did you notice that Darth Vader's walk was almost the exact same thing as David Prowse? No, no, totally missed that. (laughs) The exact same way. It was like he tried to walk fast, so Krennic had to... Keep up with him. It was kind of that that swagger. It was almost exactly the same.
5: Did you actually analyze his
2: walk? I did, I did. And one other thing I analyzed was his force choke.
3: Something that a true Jedi Master would notice.
2: We knew that Krennic was getting choked out, right? When Vader kind of turns, and he's kind of throwing up the west side with the force choke, and he says, Don't choke on your aspirations oh my god, I almost fell out of my seat. I'm in the medical field. When someone is choking, it's called aspirating. So like Darth Vader made a force choke medical joke
1: oh.
2: in Rogue One. <laughs> it's called the aspirating well, when they choke on something.
1: Well, that's actually kind of cool. Like, like I didn't get it in that regard. So like, okay, I, I can see where you're going with that. But scientists that are in the chemistry field like the fact that K2SO is a fart joke because that's sulfur oxide
2: (laughs) is k2so sulfur oxide
1: that that's what people are saying and i'm like oh it's a fart joke okay
3: yeah it's a um it's oh it's on the acid scale we were learning about it uh last week
1: we had school did they mention star wars rogue one character (laughs) well now (laughs) we're beginning to wonder i mean. No, I'm beginning to think no. I mean, because I didn't catch the aspirations one, so I, I, because I heard a lot of people commenting about that, about it being a cheesy line, and I was like, but he's dropped cheesy lines before. I mean, he's done stuff like this all throughout the trilogy. But I didn't catch how cheesy because I don't work in the medical field like your Dad. So that now that I now that that stands out, it's like, oh, clearly they did that on purpose. Like, like another one that that I caught after reading about uh, different articles was when K2 smacks Andor, uh, Cassian Andor in the face, when he's like, these are, are prisoners? I'm taking them to prison, to be in prison. And he's like, quiet, you, or I'll give you a fresh one. When he did it, that was totally ad-libbed. And when you watch that scene, uh, Diego Luna, the actor playing Cassian Andor, is trying not to laugh because it happened out of, out of nowhere. So he's covering his nose and mouth, covering the smile and laugh because he is dying at Alan Turdick at this point because Turdick's totally
2: free-living It, it was great. So then we get to see Vader at the end of the movie. This is the first time we actually see Darth Vader as kind of like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger.
5: (laughs) Yeah, he just walks in all intimidatingly and then, like, just, like, slaughters everyone.
2: Starts shredding ass.
5: Exactly. And then, like, the dude at the end of the hall, he's just banging on the door like, Help us! Get us out of here! The door is stuck! Help And then, like, he's just... Hauling through
1: everybody. See, that would have been a little more believable had they not had the door already gapped open. Like, if they would have had it so gapped open at first that he couldn't get his hand, and then while they were working it, they got it open enough that he could stick his hand. The whole time, I'm like, why isn't he sticking his hand through? Like, that doesn't make any sense.
2: I cannot wait until this scene, until this movie comes out for home video use, because I'm going to fast forward and rewind and slow-mo that Darth Vader scene a thousand times. I mean, every time I've watched it, I watch, I see something different. Grabbing laser bolts and actually deflecting the laser bolts back at the people who are shooting at him without using his lightsaber. He's just using his hand.
5: Like Kylo Ren.
2: Like Kylo Ren did or like he did in Empire Strikes Back with Han Solo at Cloud City. He uses his the force to hold a rebel up on the ceiling, and as he's walking by, he just kind of nonchalantly slices the guy in half. I mean, the scene is incredible, and it makes Leia look that much more of a badass in episode four when she's telling him about his foul stench.
5: That that was one of the best scenes I've seen in a Star Wars movie in, like, a while, because it was so action-packed. It was, it was like... Fast paced and everyone's freaking out, but it's slow. Darth Vader's just slowly walking up and just like, just like not caring. The like just like it, it was dude. a, it was a great, it was a great scene. I love that scene.
6: Yeah, I loved it too. It was so cool. It was pretty much classic Darth
4: Vader just plowing through a group of rebels. Yeah, well, what I thought was
3: cool about it was that like you kind of know it's like where it's going almost, but like it's all new to you at the same time but like old if that makes any sense like it makes sense to my to me but
1: yeah
5: it's like nostalgic but it's fresh still
1: yeah (laughs) well you know when you think about it clearly bale had faith in the rogue one group because he told leia to go with this fleet because he needed to get Kenobi to Alderaan. So like he was like, hey, you know, let's just save the middleman. Why don't you just go with them, and you could just get the plans. And we don't have to wait for the plans to come to us. He could just take them right to Kenobi.
2: I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. But now we know that Bale was sending Princess Leia to Obi-Wan Kenobi, correct? Is that what Rogue One was telling us?
1: It did come across that way, that, that they were sending for him for help. Right, and for help. What Jedi was odd, friend. though, was that Mon Mothma knew about him. I'm like, Bail, loose lip sync <laughs> starships, bro. Like, no one's supposed to know you got a Jedi <laughs> friend, homeboy. What the hell?
2: Well, that line right there changes the whole opening crawl of Episode 4 then. Because the opening crawl in Episode 4 says that Leia is on her way home to Alderaan. She's not she's on her way to Tatooine to go see Obi-Wan. So the opening crawl in A New Hope is not correct. True. I didn't think of that.
1: (laughs) well i mean kind of well she is on her way to alderaan though i mean she's she's just making a stop at tatooine on the way there (laughs) (laughs) because she was supposed to bring kenobi to alderaan that was that was where she was being said which was why i was like well why in the hell is she going why take the detour into the middle of the fight like this makes no sense vader's chopping everyone up like the one guy goes
0: like
1: get out of here leah what are you doing can we talk about carrie fisher for a minute
2: yeah let's talk about her
3: the day she had passed, I had just got done taking the shower and I had came out and we were in the middle of cleaning up the house and all of a sudden my dad pops out out of nowhere behind our kitchen table and he's all, Princess Leia is dead. And the way he said it made it sound like a toy, like one of our Princess Leia action figures got chewed up by a dog or something. So I was all like, okay. And he's like, what do you mean okay and I was like what do you mean okay and he's all like no like Carrie Fisher has passed and I was like what and he's all yeah and so it like totally caught me by surprise but hearing that just kind of like broke my heart because like it's Carrie Fisher like how It's Princess Leia because we're in the middle of like Christmas break and everything. It's just like it makes you wonder how everybody else at school is gonna react. I'm a Star Wars geek with the rest of my family and stuff, and not everybody at school is. So it just makes me wonder what their reaction is gonna be and stuff. And like I was talking to my mom, Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher are huge, huge role models for women in Star Wars and stuff. And so seeing that she passed away a couple days after Christmas. It's just heartbreaking. And then seeing her mom pass away not even for, uh, 42 hours later is just like, huh.
2: After Carrie Fisher passing away and then me seeing that that rendition, what did you think about that?
3: It happened all so fast. So I was like, wait, is that Princess Leia? But you knew it wasn't her. So it was just really weird. I was like, do they have to CGI that? And that's all, yes. And I was like, oh, He's all like, why? I was like, it just looks very, very weird. He's all like, oh, yeah. And so it was, it was just awkward. Same with, I was all like, is that actually him? And Dad's all like, no. And I thought there was another person who also had a BCG.
1: No, there were people that were picked up from uh, the cut footage. There was cut footage from A New Hope where we saw the, rogue le- the uh, yellow goal leader, red leader, uh, they reused, I think it was Red Leader's voice. Uh, they used the actual 80-year-old uh, actor. They got him back to reprise that. And then some of the female pilots were from the Return of the Jedi cut footage that they brought back. So there was some of that that was really cool as well.
6: And then we saw the Blue Leader pilot dude.
1: Yeah, so so the, the really cool thing about the Blue Squadron was if you've ever read the books for A New Hope, Luke is part of Blue Squadron. And you're scratching your head going, no, no, he's part of Red Squadron. He's Red Five. Well, no, actually, he was Blue Five. Uh, but they, back in the day, they didn't have green screens. They had blue screens, and they couldn't use Blue Squadron with a blue screen because it would wash it out. So they changed him to Red Squadron. Uh, so now Blue Squadron became this myth of, well, you know, what happened to Blue Squadron. So they found a way to bring back or resurrect Blue Squadron, and now we basically see the swan song of Blue Squadron. And the survivors there obviously were used to fill up the rest of the groups. Um, getting the aspect of the Leia and the, and the CGI of that stuff, you know, I, I went and I've seen this now seven times the last time I took my mom and my mom had no clue about Tarkin. Whereas, you know, the, the princess Leia stuff, she, she figured that was CGI right away. I think of the two, it's the, it's the Leia stuff that I feel doesn't hold up the best. Like it, it looks a little more obviously CGI, especially if you're looking at pictures of Carrie Fisher at that time with the CGI, it's almost like the CGI character head is is a little more narrow than Carrie Fisher's. Uh, but when I watched it the last time it was after the, the information about what happened to Carrie, God rest her soul. And it was hard. It was hard to watch. Like I knew it was coming. And even so like when captain Antilles started to turn to go into the hallway, I was already starting to break down. I was like, Oh my God, here we go.
5: Whenever um, princess Leia's princess Leia scene was in the rogue one. I was like, I asked my dad, like, how did they do that? You know, uh, Carrie Fisher is, she passed away. And then, like, he was like, that was completely CGI. I'm like, I'm, I am i didn't really notice that at first. I, I just thought that was, like, an older clip maybe, but that wouldn't make any sense because then this movie wasn't mm-hmm. even planned. So it but was... But it worked. Like, no, it did work. I mean, I, I was pretty convinced because I was not aware that it was CGI or anything like that.
2: You know what worked also was the voices, they had the voices down packed. I'm not sure if they used Carrie Fisher's old voice from the. I thought I thought they did. They had to because that... it sounded exactly like her, and Tarkin sounded exactly like him, especially when he said "Fire, you may fire and ready." I mean, they yeah. they had to use his old. I voice. believe
1: I owe you an apology, Director Cronik. I'm like, oh man.
2: I thought that after seeing it, Tarkin for me, Tarkin really stood out as CGI. Just like. He wasn't on the same plane as as the other ones. And when he kind of walked, it wasn't natural. It was more like a kind of like a computer game kind of movement, you know? But after seeing it, he really it really looks good. You kind of forget that. If you mm-hmm. I mean, we're Star Wars fans. I mean, we, we can we can set reality aside. That's not a problem for us. And if you can kind of do that, the second or third watching. It really kind of does hold up. Even Princess Leia, I thought, looked better to me. I thought the Princess Leia looked better than Tarkin. But I think they both hold up after repeat viewings. They both hold up pretty good. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, absolutely.
6: What was kind of weird at the ending is that, like, the droid was the only one that got shot to death. Everybody else, like, died in an an explosion. Because Cassian and Jin died by the... like, the big explosion, and then the blind guy died by the explosion. Same with the gunner dude, and then same with the pilot, because someone threw a grenade into the ship. So they all, like, died by a bomb, and then the droid died by, like, a million bullets to him. It was weird.
1: It was weird. It, it was That's why they call it a suicide mission.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the droid did, like, take a lot of shots and still, you know, alive and still, like, doing things.
1: But how many shots did the droid take to die? I mean, like... There was at least
2: eight. Yeah. At least. <laughs>
1: yeah, at least. It took a lot. Some people complained about the fact that Jin shot one of those droids with one shot, and he took so many, but I was quick to point out, there's there's two things to consider. One, he's a modified Imperial droid. And two, unlike the other droid, that droid wasn't expecting to have one of Saw Gerrera's top guerrilla warriors shoot it with a kill shot. And RK2 was expecting Stormtroopers to try to shoot it, so it was protecting its weak spot. So, like, I, I felt like that that really worked. I think K2 was, like, the only character that really sacrificed himself for the, the love of the rest of the group. Like, I... That moment and and when Baze went out to get it like, those were moments of pure love. And... Those moments were the ones that that when I first watched it, like I was sad they were happened. But as I watched it over and over again, those are the moments that really tear me up the most. Not so much when Cassian and Jin are on the beach together. In fact, I find it more interesting that Jin's the one that's facing in the hug the bomb explosion. Like she's not turned away from it, whereas Cassian is. Even when the when it catches up to him, like he looks up and away and has a panicked moment. But Jin, no man, Jin was accepting of everything that was coming her way.
6: She did know what was gonna happen. You're right, Gavin. She she knew what was gonna happen. She was like ready to join her family because like her mom died first and then her dad died and she's like now it's my time so I'm just gonna go.
2: Listen, I love Felicity Jones in this role as Jin. I regret I was at Comic Con this last year and one of the Hasbro's. Convention exclusives was a Jen Erso six-inch figure, and I passed that up. And oh. I regret that so much because she is such a badass character. I mean, for Felicity Jones to come into a Star Wars a Star Wars role and hold an entire movie, she carried this entire movie. And and to to do it after the outstanding performance of Episode seven of Ray for her to come in and do this, and she is beautiful. Every time she 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 had a line, you know, "Rebellions are built on hope." Gave me goosebumps. Okay, when she said, "May the Force be with us," gave me goosebumps. I mean, it it it. She was it was the great. It was a great character. I mean, she is one of my all time favorites, and I'm I'm pretty sad we will never see Jen Urso in another. Star Wars movie, because it was great. She held that movie together.
1: I was excited when Saw Gerrera was in Rebels for a moment, because I was like, oh, maybe we're going to see Jin." And then I was like, oh, wait, no, Rebels is set too close. She was been left behind since she was 16. Now she's 25. Oh, man, no. She's probably already rotten in the cell somewhere at this point.
3: Well, that's why I said you can't get attached to her. Because, like, in the end, all of it screwed up. Star Wars Rebels, she can't be in that if you add up all the years and stuff and then all end up dying. So it's like,
1: so, so I guess that leads me to a question that I have for everybody here is now that this is over and and I guess we'll make this two part. Now that this is over, how would you rank this film compared to the force awakens? Because they're both the last two films to come out and they're setting up a new precedent of star Wars films. And how would you rank this overall? Um, For me, I, I, like I said, this movie, it catered to everything I wanted as a Star Wars fan. And I it became my immediate top notch. This one went straight to the top. Uh, so, you know, it's ahead of even The Force Awakens. Now, of the two, I, I even think that it's doing better than The Force Awakens in regards of story and things like that. Because The Force Awakens, for me, it still determines so much on what's going to happen in Episode 8 and things like that. Like, there's still backgrounds that I'm hoping will pay off. That I'm praying will pay off, that I'm betting will pay off. But if they don't pay off, then that movie's not gonna be as good for me. Whereas this one, like I said, I was smiling from start to end. So I felt like this one was the more solid film all the way around. Aaron, what about you, man?
2: I think that Rogue One is definitely a better film than Episode Seven, only because they've rehashed so much in, in Episode Seven to kind of, like I said, reintroduce Star Wars to the new generation. They didn't have this burden with Rogue One. They just went straight into the story. They didn't have to. It, we started fresh with Jin. We started fresh with Baze and Chirrut and all that. So we didn't have to have some sort of I don't know. I, you know, the, the executives and Disney and, and the way they make movies. You know, they have to make it where the the audience connects. This didn't have the same amount of baggage as Episode Seven. So in that, for me, it's a better movie you have to put this movie now you know there's all kinds of, of of different ways to watch the star wars films you know do you watch it one two three four five six do you watch it here and there how do you watch it to to keep the surprises in in the in the whole story arc well i think you have to watch rogue one now You have to you have to watch rogue one first episode four episode five then go back to one two three and then six And I think that that's how important that this movie is. And I'm not sure if you have to do that with the Han Solo movie that's going to come out, if you have to stick it in there as you have to watch it in order to further your experience for the next movie. This one-off movie, I think, was so important to the Star Wars community as a whole, to keeping it solid and and it can be done. You know, a one-off can be done that I think it's very exciting for the future.
5: I, I think that more people are going to like this movie overall, because, like, nostalgia sells, you know? Like, things from the past that people can remember and look back on, that sells. Like, that run that one Rebels episode that we did that was just, like, nostalgic characters and a lot of, like, old backstory, that, that's going to sell more than The Force Awakens. Like, they made a new NES classic, because that's what people remember from back in the day. And... This is, you know, being the Star Wars 2016, uh, made in 2016, it's, it's a good look back to the older Star Wars movies, and that's gonna sell more. I personally liked Force Awakens a little more. I think this movie, Rogue One, definitely had a more solid, like, storyline, but I like Force Awakens better because it had more action. Not as much character development, but a lot more, like, cool scenes to look back on, you know what I mean?
4: I think that Rogue One and The Force Awakens are kind of in a way a hard uh uh two movies that are hard com- to compare cuz like um, The Force Awakens is like the the sequel it's it's the sequel that uh, I think it's 10 years, right? We've been waiting for it for 10 years. And Rogue One is this whole different thing. It's it's a Star Wars story. It's a spin-off. It's it's so in that sort of sense it's like hard to compare, but if you are going to compare them, I think Rogue One is just better in a lot more areas.
3: Yeah, well, I I agree with both of you, but then disagree with Jacob. I think that they're both really hard to compare because of history and everything. But honestly, I feel like it had more action and stuff, but yet Rogue One, it was explaining a whole bunch of back, the backstory. I love both of them because I feel like both of the main characters are girls. and So, like, I feel like... They're bringing the girls in like females into more of the Star Wars movies because I remember watching Star Wars and stuff or playing with uh, the Star Wars action figures. I mean like I always wish there was more girls and like Gavin would always want to play with me with them and but I could always like find one but she'll be missing an arm or something and it would freaking just take me off so bad. Seeing... The movies come out with more female characters. It really makes me happy and stuff. Cause, and I hope they honestly progress with this.
6: I gotta say that Rogue One, for me, was like a slightly bit better than The Force Awakens because one thing that I liked about the Rogue One movie is when like that one dude that's like looks like he's related to Admiral. Yeah, that guy. Um, how he calls in like the Hammerhead and the Hammerhead pushes the Star Destroyer into the other one and now it like chops the top of it completely off the hammerhead must have like a lot of power just to push like one star destroyer into another and it's such a tiny ship
1: that was such a great scene so where would you rank if you were ranking all the films right now where would you how would you tell your friends how they should watch it what order devin
6: um rogue one then episode six seven eight and then go back to one and three five and six (laughs) No.
1: Wow, that's a very confusing order.
2: Episode four Mm -hmm. takes place days after the Battle of Scarif, and our rebels are there. So, if they did not die at the Battle of Scarif, they are still around, correct? And not only that. Oh, I don't
1: think the Jedi are there, though. (laughs) What do you think, Jacob?
2: I don't know. They have to be, right? I mean, they got a couple Jedi over there, and it seems what's what's funny is that they don't seem to know. That Kanan and Ezra are Jedi, but Mon Mothma wants to use Obi-Wan Kenobi, an old Jedi, but See, not use Kanan and Ezra.
1: But she knows about them, so that's they've got to be off the playing field. Them and Ahsoka, either they're already doing something else, or they've already toast.
2: So Hera might have survived, and Chopper might have survived, but maybe not the rest of them have survived at this point. Here's another thing to throw out there. Thrawn's out there, Right. Unless rebels have, unless the, our rebels kill Thrawn, before Scarif, Thrawn's out there. Darth Maul is out there. Um, Hondo's out there. I mean, it's 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 it opens up the world so much bigger for rebels. And I remember when Episode Seven was coming out, they were. Feloni had said that there was going to be a connection between Episode Seven and Rebels, and all it ended up being was a cross saber when they go into the Jedi temple they find an old cross saber that they that Ezra ignites for a second and then it goes it goes it powers down it makes much more sense that it had so many cameos of our rebels in rogue one because this is the rebel alliance you know what i mean it makes more sense that it was so much more heavily connected but how much how cool would it have been to see zeb or Kanan or or somebody else besides chopper
1: so uh, I think this would be a good spot to uh, wrap it up. I think we've uh, chatted on about this good and long. We've got to get these Padawans to bed. What do you think, Baron? All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Padawans Perspective. We'd like to thank Jacob for coming on and helping us out today and joining us. Uh, you can always find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. So for the Padawan Perspective, this has been Mark. Tay. Hey, Gab. And Jaina's already in bed. Farrell. And Barrett. So, till next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes, announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com.
2: Jacob's gone. Did he ever say goodbye?
1: He's gone to the galaxy far, far away. His mother called.
2: Oh, well, okay. (laughs)